Good morning, everyone. For those who doesn't know me yet, Marcio from originally from Brazil, been here 12 years serving the Lord with all our family and hearts. Welcome to James. What are you hoping for? A couple of months ago, my youngest son Isaac, who is a Brazilian, told me, Dad, on this day that was not this Saturday, praise God, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do what he asked me. He said, there will be a fight. And as Brazilian, Grace family, UFC, Anderson Silva, and so on, we love fights. Maybe it's not so correct, but we do. And so, Josh, and we have a Brazilian UFC 24 hours channel that once in a while we watch it, and he especially says, Dad, we're going to watch Mike Tyson. I say, what? Mike Tyson? I know him. The fellow is kind of same age as I. Is he going to fight? Yeah, he's going to fight. And he's been training. His wife said, he said, you are overweight. He said, what do you do? I said, start five minutes on the treadmill and do something about it. And the rest is history. He started the five-minute thing. He never stopped it. And the guy is a monster. He's back. He's even better shape than maybe before. We hope for the fight. We hope for a good fight that ends up not being a tremendous fight. He could have beaten up the guy easily. I tell you, maybe not 10 people can beat that man up in the boxing ring. But during the fight, we found out something. It was a humanitarian entertainment fight, raising money for those who suffered. That was a good cause. The four fights before was maybe better than that fight. Because in his fight, blood could not go on, otherwise the fight would stop right away. Nobody could knock the other up, because if it was a knocking down, the fight would stop right away. Well, of course, but that's what they said. They do this fight, and there will be no winner. Both will win. And then you can come up with the idea of the fight. Eight rounds, no one can beat so hard, no one can be knocking down. There will be no winner. What a hope in vain. There are things we hope that's not a great thing. Nobody hopes to lose a child like we just heard. There are earthly hopes that is in vain, but there are living hopes that is in Christ. And this is what we are going to talk today. Living Christ, the hope of glory. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. So in this morning, we come to Colossians 3 in a series that we have started a few months ago where Paul begins right now a practical encouragement and admonition in how believers live a life that is so heavily minded. And that's what brings us here. Live a life that is so heavily minded. You might have all sort of things in your mind, and so do I. We have all sort of things in our hearts that sometimes helps, sometimes beats us up. And now, Paul, after 
had already set forth the superiority of Jesus Christ over creation to the church and religion in the first two chapters, telling us that Christ is pre-existent. He was never created. He always was, is, and will be. And he is preeminent one, the image of the full God. The fullness of God is in him. He is the mystery that we talk of God, who was crucified, buried, and resurrected. Christ is all and is in all. Last two weeks, Pastor Duane clearly spoke about Christ, the hope we find in Christ. He was clear in his message about the hollow and deceptive philosophers based on human and demonic influences affecting the Colossians. What to touch, what to eat, how to celebrate angels and devotions to angels or to ecstasies that all were hollow and deceptive, empty of meaning, trying to produce a good life that was never meant to be. And Pastor Duane wanted us, as, as Paul did, about doctrines of false teachers and failure of philosophy, legalism, mysticism, ritualism, asceticism, and so on. Today, Paul concludes that thought with chapter 3, starting today and ending in the next two weeks, you can't, you can't miss that, is concluding his thought by offering a solution, a practical way of living and believing and thinking that will deal with the earthly way, the worldly way, the filthy and dirt way that we are surrounded and immersed by offering a glorious Christ-like way putting the Colossians and all of us right on track. Read or be with me as I read the epistle from verse 1 to 4. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. How our present world has affected our hearts and minds in things we believe, behave, and exist. Today, my main idea, purpose of bringing the message is this, for you and for me, according to Paul's message to the Colossians. Believers should seek heavenly things and not old earthly things because they have died to the old world and have been raised with Christ 
as new creation in a new reveling world. So in four actions, we're going to see how you and I can be in a closer relationship with our God through Christ Jesus. Dying and living. Setting our hearts, setting our mind, sharing his future glory. First, in verse 1 and 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. If we are raised with Christ, it's assumed that we have died in Christ. Verse 3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. In a biological way, we are born, we live, and we die. That's the process. Natural, biological. But in a spiritual living, the things go upside down. We die first, and then we live. There is a moment, a season in your life, either as a child or young teenager or young adult, I was reached by the gospel when I was 20 years old with no precedent. No one in my family was obey, were obeying the Lord. I had a grandma who was a believer, but she passed away before I was born. So I came up to the light, to the enlightenment, when I was 20 and 21. But doesn't matter exactly the date, but there was a season, there was a moment, there were conflicts, there were problems in my mind, there were unresolved matters in my heart, there was an anguish, a despair in my soul. Even though I was 20, in my best shaped body, work body that time, long hair that I missed a lot, and so on, I was living my darkness days. I was without a purpose of living. I consider actually twice to end up my boring and so conflicted life. Praise God I didn't, because he has chosen me much before I was born. But that's what is happened. There is a season. There is a moment that you feel reunited with Christ. And the Bible tells that is the fact that you've died for yourself. You repented of your sin. You might have gone through confession, profession, baptism. And then at the miracles moment, you were raised with Christ. You see? Natural, we live and die. Spiritually, we die first in order to live. So having reminded Colossians that they have died with Christ in chapter 2, verse 20 and 12, Paul now reiterates that they have been raised with Christ. It's not if, it's things. Therefore, taking in account that you've died and probably something has happened that Paul was assured about that. And like Christ that was born, lived, 
died without sin and was raised from the dead. Unlike him, the Colossians have never died and have neither been raised bodily, physically. But nevertheless, Paul says and sees that they have been raised spiritually with Christ by God. Their baptism served as vivid, tangible reminders of this vital theological principle. If they truly have been raised with Christ via conversion, this is imaged, seen in the baptism. Then, if or since, and therefore you've been raised, seek the things above from heaven. They should not, no matter what, despite of the influences that we heard here, they should not devote their attention to the earthly things, such as philosophy, but set their hearts and minds on heavenly things. We are not going the same way the philosopher or the mysticals or the charismatic of those days that sometimes try to read heavens or deity. We are not telling that we should not do things here, pay taxes, build things, we do, but our focuses as believers has to be in reveling realm. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. The believers died for the elemental things of the world and are no longer submit to the decrees of the false teachers. You have to obey in order to be saved. You have to go this route in order to get to heaven. You have not to touch or not to eat or not to dress or not to do this or that or do this or do that, offering sacrifice in order to be saved. Paul says, this is all gone. This is all shadow. This is all accomplished by the true vicarious work of Christ. So they died for that. And this passage, Paul will argue that being raised up with Christ will have consequences in what we seek. Set your mind. Set your heart. The word set here is actually in Greek, seek, search, investigate, look for, dig it in for things above. So the way they should seek what we think our security and our future is in God. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son, he says in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, through the redemption and forgiveness of our sins. The same Paul, Apostle Paul in Romans 6, 4, attests this, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness 
of life. So as a believer, you and I were granted to have a new life. Yes, there is a formal life. Yes, there is the way I was wired and somehow I end up being like that. Yes, in Marshall, there is this Brazilian-Italian background that once now often comes up and try me to beat up something or to break something or to get furious about it. It's the Brazilian fighter style, Josh, with the Italian kind of rough thing. I have, and most of my kids, and nobody believes that, they say, Dad, sometimes you invent things, you brag about things that is not true. Well, Foreman, George Foreman, the pastor who was a fighter, two champions twice, had the same problem. When he was 45 and he won the second weight, heavyweight title, his kid says, our father is going to fight. This guy is good for nothing. He fights nothing, not even a butterfly. They never knew who he was in his 1824 when he first won. So my hand has one bone. Outside my hand. Why? To be reminded myself that I was crazy one time. The old guy. We all should have that old thing. But actually we should perform in the new thing. We should behave as new creator. That thing died. Yeah, they are right when there is nothing like that. Yes, Marshall, that guy died. Praise God, long time ago. And have to be kept, died every day. That's the teaching of the Bible, every day. Because Christ's death is our death. His crucifixion or his crucified, we should be crucified as well. And then we are not more bounded to sin, to Satan and to the world. We are influenced. We are attacked, we are provoked, we are tested. Sometimes we fail, but we are not more slaves. I can't blame my blood identity. I can't blame my ancestor. I have to blame myself, and I have to remember, God gave his son. Whoever believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. We are changed. We were changed if we believe. So I'm not more bonded to sin, Satan, and to the world. Yes, we still live in this body of flesh, and we still broken sometimes and struggle against them due to old habits, due to, due to incorrect thinking sometimes. However, they are no longer our masters, Romans 6 says. So we should not submit ourselves to sinful desire, demonic oppression, or worldly lust. All these are consequences of having died. Once you have died, you are either or are. And you don't do neither or nor. So there are things that are in the past, has to be in the past, is long gone. They don't have power over us. It's our sinful selfish that has died and been crucified. And now we are identified with Jesus and his cross. 
Are you sure you died and have been raised with Christ? Paul says, since you have been raised with Christ, then we come to our second action, setting your hearts on heavenly things. Why does Paul counsel the Colossians to keep seeking the things above? Probably because if we don't do, we are going to operate in this lower level. That is selfish. That is sometimes destructive. That is greedy. Probably Paul is telling, telling set your hearts on things above, and then he answers, because is where Christ is. In heaven, seated at the right hand of God. He has all power and authority. He is the head of all powers and head of the church. I gave this example in the first service. I'm going to give again. And I hope it makes sense. For instance, why am I going to spend my time on searching the house market in Halifax? Nova Scotia, when my hope is to retire in Brazil in the beach. So why am I going to spend time and money and research and people's job to find me a house in Halifax that I never intended to live? Maybe I'm going to visit. Why? You and I, spending time, effort, worries, thinking, overthinking in things that won't matter at all when we are already predestined to live eternally with Christ. It would be nonsense to think like that about my personal goals, about all our goals. That is to live with Christ, to live with him is better, is gain. To live with Christ, to die is gain. So, we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. What does the heart represent here? And what does it mean to set our hearts in heaven? I think this is an important questions to raise and at least to spend some time because he speaks about heart and he speaks about mind. This important metaphorical part of the body who act on us. Heart, says Jesus in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and we could go on and on and on about Jesus, what is the matter, what is going inside, what goes outside, he says outside. In his case, he says like this, do not lay up yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. We treasure <clears throat> in our hearts, says Jesus. We desire, we have affection, passion about. We love with our hearts, center of our emotions that drive us to do stuff. 
Hearts, though, can be deceitful, hardened, compassionate, passionate, troubled, and so on. If the hearts are set on things below, earthly, worldly, filthy, they can be selfish, envy, greedy, and evil. But if they are set above on heavens, they will be merciful, generous, kind, meek, patient, humbled, loving, all forgiving. Almost kind of what Jesus preached at the Sermon on the Mount. In sum up, in this first verse, the commandment is an order, is imperative, set our will to choose, to search, to investigate, to, to strive, and to pursue what is related to God, God's kingdom and his righteousness. Has it been our desire? Our third action then will be set, setting our mind on heavenly things. Setting our mind on heavenly things. What difference it makes? Not so much. Heart, mind. Heart is the evolution. Mind is the rationality. Heart feels. Mind thinks. Heart loves or hates. Mind rationalizes, distinguishes, mind criticizes, measures, calculates, makes decisions, establishes plans. An earthly mind may elaborate evil. Our human mind can be selfish. But a mind that is driven by God can help us to think on others better than ourselves. Can be altruist, other-centered. Paul warned that the mind set on flesh will live according to the flesh resulting in death. But the mind set on the spirit will live in accord with the spirit, resulting in life and peace. In fact, Paul is clear in another, in another part in his epistles that he wants us to have the mind of Christ, <clears throat> not a fleshly mind. The mind that set in spirit is life and peace, Romans 8.6. Spiritual thoughts are to be characterized by that which is true. A mind that is led by God, not by below, but by above, will be characterized by what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, what is excellent and praiseworthy. A commentator card says that their minds these Colossians, are to be filled with ideas inspired by the reigning Christ. They are thinking so controlled and determined by his mind. As such, they leave no room for the influence of worldly mentality. What if all of us would consider every Saturday after dinner, to get closer to God, 
to have devotionless family or if you are by yourself with God and to think about those heavenly realms, to nurture your soul, your spirit with hymns and if you go to Netflix or Prime Video or Apple TV, you choose for something that edifies your life. And then you go over the night and then you wake up in the morning and then you read the word of God and then you start blessing your life, your family, your neighbor and the church expecting great things from the Lord. What an amazing scenario and moment we could experience here. And most of us and many of us would feel even better and would have been transformed by this power of relationship. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasant, and perfect will. How is our mind? Are you overthinking? Are you anxious about something? The Bible has a solution. Bring it to God. Are you depressed? A condition or a disease or something that your mind desires? It can happen. The solution is here. Renew your mind by the fresh word of God, by meditating day and night through the Spirit. Uh, Charles Handon Spurgeon, the preacher, they say the principle of preachers in England centuries ago. At 19, he was preaching already for 6,000 members, and people were outside, and people would have the same thing as today. They have to register to be seated because more people want to come to listen to that 19-year-old preacher. His message was already sent by some kind of, not fax, but something similar, telegram, to a New York Times on Monday. And people would buy on Monday more papers than other days because they want to see his message preached on Sunday. What a phenomenon. And there are a couple reasons. His fireplace was under the, 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 the sanctuary. A hundred people were always praying Literally, not physically a fireplace. People were praying all the time for the service and for his message. He would invest his life also in that thing. But one thing called my attention when I was looking the illustrations for his students, that even when he was 16, and he was not yet born again, that happens later on in a winter, in a very occasion, Methodist church, not his father's church or Baptist church, but anyhow, make the long story short, he tells that his dad taught him something like I said today. Prepare yourself before the Lord. So on Saturday day, he has to be sure that everything he was doing was to praise and honor God. No classical music. Even that today is a more sanct sanctified than anything else. But no classic music, unless it was Christian music. No other kind of news around or TV that would distract them to the fellowship with God. Nothing on Saturday evening to the 
service, not even the radio station that they probably would listen to BBC or whatever, everything were kind of carefully taken. Take me in this way, not the wrong way, not pharisaic way, but in a way that their heart would be preserved and their mind would be focusing on Jesus. How is our mind? The last, but not the least, sharing his future glory. Christ is our life. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. In chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, tell us about this Christ. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head of over every power and authority. This is the Christ who is going to be revealed. This is the Christ that for a while is not being seen and then you'll be seen. This is the fullness of Christ that for some reason was pre-seen by three over the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that episode? That's something that Paul is talking about. The glory that they saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah, that's something we're going to see as a fool. We will share in Christ's future glory. When he appears, then he will be revealed and we will be revealed who appears too. We do not know all the details of what that will be like, except what will be like him for what we shall see him as he is. First John 3, 2 says, we're going to see as he is. The word reveal or appear here, phanero from Greek, means something is going to be made visible. The word was, now is old-fashioned, but was the same process of putting water and light to reveal a picture that exists, was taken from a photographic machine, but could not be seen as a picture, then has to go to this process. This is the same with Christ. Christ lived, died, was raised, was seen for a while, and was ascended, gone. But he is real. He exists. He is seated at the right hand of God, waiting to be honored and to judge and to rule over all. And we are going to be with him. This Jesus that now is not being seen, but is being believed, he's going to come back. His second coming. And that's what he says. He's going to make visible. Our life that is hidden is because we also don't have much uh, uh, precision who we are. We are more than we see. I remember that little kid who was very short, three to four years. She ate a lot of food. And his dad said, but you are too little to eat such amount of food. So, well, you see me from outside. Inside, I'm much bigger. We are much bigger. We are already his glory. We are already people who possess his spirit. And that's why we can pray for. That's why we are not bonded to sin, 
but we are already hired to good deeds and good works, and we can, we can be people who lay hands and people get healed. We are people that we can multiply all the resources by giving ourselves and pray with them and see great things happen. We are people that we could be fighters to beat others up, or we could use our hands to build people up. And we will be like that forever and ever. At present, Jesus is hidden from his physical sight of man, but at some point in the future, he will return in the same way as he was ascended. Acts 1, 11, 13. And every eye will see him. Revelation 1, 7. That should be our mind. That should be in our heart. Jesus will be known as fully as he is, as daily as our Lord and Savior. He will be revealed, and so we will be too. Conclusion or application, if you might. Paul tells the Colossians, You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on early things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ appears, you will also appear with him in glory. For me, this short text is one of the most amazing verses about Christian living. Is the answer for this pandemic era. It is what makes peace in my heart and mind, knowing that God and his power is over COVID. Knowing that whatever losses we are having, and they are hitting hard, it's easy for me not having lost a job or income because of that, but many have. But knowing the word of God, we know that all this comes, or he can use his church to bless the world as never before. Paul has his foreknowledge of the Bible, where he gets all this understanding through the Spirit and through the enlightenment of the Spirit, and he brings this to these believers, how they should behave and should be. Brothers and sisters, how is it working for you in your marriage as husband, as wife? I've seen recently two close and very dear Brazilian families who got splitted. One is already like that for two years, one recently for six months. How much pain, especially when, in this case, both husbands have kids and they love their kids and they can't see the kids as they intended to bring them up and raise them with them. How awful we see those women for some reasons who became so much cold 
so much affected by the relationship that they don't want to even be friends with the father of their kids. How is it in us? How do you see yourself as followers of Christ? Are you someone that others can tell you are different and you make a difference in others' life? That's what should be. At work, what does that mean? Do people miss you? Are you helping others at your job if you are going somewhere? Can others see Jesus in you? I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to reflect. When we worship God, give our offering, make our prayers, are doing this or that, are we doing a way that we honor God, we glorify Him? Or we like the pagans who bargain, who scream, who, who make all sort of uh, human uh, input that they deserve something that's not what God is about or should be targeted. Have we died and been raised in Christ? And has our actions shows that? How can we go from here today? Were you just convinced of a faith or were you converted by him, repented of your sins and baptized to a new life? If you have a new life, you can't excuse yourself of your sins or mistakes. When I was not in Christ, if I would consider my mistakes, I would say something differently. But in Christ, I should not perform. But if I do, I have to repent. Recently, not too long ago, very recently, sitting in my living room with my oldest kid, not Jose, but Isaac, I rationally said something to him. It was related to birthday, Christmas gift, and I thought I was giving too much that I should. I put in two together. The poor guy have birthday November 30th, and very soon it's Christmas. I said, let's make a bigger one than two. He was not so happy about it. And I was trying to make some saving on that. And then he said something that wasn't, you know, proper, and I got angry. And then both of us sinned. And we are experiencing such a good relationship recently, two, three months, so deep relationship in God that both felt bad. I didn't leave it too long. Not too long. Elaine, you remember? Not too long, maybe a couple of hours. Elaine says, you, we say in Brazil, we step in the ball. So when you step in the ball, I mean, you made a mistake. The Brazilian way to say, we stepped in the ball. You didn't kick the ball. Yeah, I did. So he did too. But let me think about it. So when he came for the tea time in that Saturday thing, I said, son, let me tell you something. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was cheap. I was bargaining your birthday that, especially this year, is the best year of your life and our life. And I've been putting you together with Christmas gift and forget all that. Whatever we agreed, it's going to be more than that. So he was happy, but he was also sad. And he was not looking for earthly things. He was deep in his spirit, and he cried. And Elaine cried. And I was man enough to hide my tears. But both, all of us were being healed through the right way, forgiveness. 
and asking for forgiveness. That's what we need as men and women of God, godly men, godly women. We are broken people. We need to think above. We ask his help. Have we died? And has our actions shows that? This is what we need. If somehow you are not sure you've been dead, you're not sure you've been raised from, being raised with Christ, today is your opportunity. I hope it is. It wasn't. We are looking for that. We are here to help you. Let us pray. Maybe repent. Maybe come back to the cross. Maybe reset. Yesterday there was outbreak in our, in our neighborhood. They said three times, if you're not getting internet, reset your modem. Today, maybe for some of us, is a reset of your heart and your mind in Christ, in things above, in heavenly things again. We're going to pray now. We're going to sing a song. We're going to give you a time to respond through the music and through a prayer. Prayer later on, I come back to you, and so will Pastor Paul. Thank you, Lord, for all this message, especially from Paul to the Church of Colossians. We thank you, Lord, deeply because he saw what others were not seeing. And even though Paul was so clever, so smart, so full of human knowledge, so well trained, he didn't use all that. Actually, he chose Christ's teachings and have a easy way of living. Help us to think above and be operating as a new believers, new creation, and everything is new. In the name of Jesus, we pray and thank you. Amen.